0: if you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. So Luke 1720 is as you can see out the gate, is, is about the return of Christ. Um, and one of the things that this automatically brings up is the fact that we as uh, believers are waiting. And, and this is one of the hardest things for human beings to do, to wait. When we wait, there are a number of temptations that we face. Uh, two in particular, the first one is that temptation to uh, look for another way, especially if we've been waiting for a long time, we've been waiting desperately for something. We start to search to find another way. And, and in our day, that's very easy. We reach into our pockets, pull out our phones. We got Google search at our fingertips, and we can find the world, right? Um, and so the temptation to find another way is a, is a large temptation. Another is the temptation to just, uh, just conclude that there is actually not going to be anything else. There's not going to be any solution to fix, not going to be anything coming, and so... We, we learn to live um, the best way we can with what we have, right? We settle for less. And these are two temptations that we face throughout our life as we're waiting, um, but they're no different as we wait for Christ. And in that, in that we we've, we've face these temptations, we've, we've learned of some ways that we can actually face these temptations without giving in. And, and there's actually one particular way that always works, and that is to put our trust, in fact, actually, if we trust, the one that we're waiting for above all else. If the solution that we are waiting on, if we are sure that is the best, the absolute, undeniable, best way for us, we will wait. And so the, the challenge for us as we wait for Christ is to continue to trust that his way is the best way, to continue to trust that his kingdom is the absolute best solution for us. And so the, the thing I want us to, and I pray for us to go away with today is this, that uh, we experience God's kingdom by trusting King Jesus. Amen. We can experience God's kingdom today and in the future by trusting King Jesus. Amen? So we're going to go back to verse 20. Verse 20 and 21 says, When he was asked by the Pharisees, When will the kingdom of God um Uh, When he was asked by the Pharisees, when will the kingdom of God come? He answered them, the kingdom is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see, the kingdom of God is in your midst. I want to just um, define this term, kingdom of God. In the Bible, the kingdom of God is not referring solely to a place. In fact, it's primarily referring to the authority, the power of the king, the authority to, um, to, to claim a place and a people unto himself. And so the Pharisees asking this question here, what they're really asking is, when will God display his power, his power to, to, to claim a people, to claim a place unto himself? And Jesus gives them a very straight up answer he says, the kingdom is in your midst. The kingdom, in other words, is already, God is already demonstrating his power. God is already being demonstrating his power. In many places throughout the book of Luke, we've already seen this. But in Luke 20, Jesus said, Luke, sorry, 1120, Jesus says, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And I want to help you see the context clearly. So the the Pharisees are um, among uh, a group of of leaders, spiritual leaders, um, leaders in the community, who have spent their lives, more likely, uh, studying the prophecy, studying scripture, to learn and understand of the promises of the kingdom of God. So the question we ought to ask ourselves is, how is it that they've been studying and waiting for the kingdom for so long, and yet they have missed it? Jesus says it's in their midst, yet they've missed it. And the answer is simple. They've begun to look for something else. They're looking for the wrong thing. See, they have an expectation for the kingdom to look a certain way, for God to demonstrate his power in a particular way. And because it's not working the way that they are showing up in the way that they expect, they've missed it. So Alethea and I, um, we went on vacation to to Europe uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, one of the things I learned, I'm not an avid traveler. uh, My wife is, and so... I've become an avid traveler. Um, But one of the things I've learned is that you've got to know the number for whatever train, plane, or bus you're taking to your destination. Amen? That number is essential. The worst thing you can do is show up at that, that station or that airport, and you don't know the number. That's the worst thing that could happen, especially with the chaos that we're seeing today with traveling. You don't want to be found there without the right number. And see, this is actually what's happening to the Pharisees, is they've been looking for the wrong kingdom. They've been waiting and expecting God to show up in the wrong way. And so they've they've missed it. And to be more specific, what it is that they've been looking for and expecting God to show up and do is to demonstrate political power, to overthrow Rome, to set them free from Roman rule. And it's an interesting thing because it actually is something that we tend to do a lot, Is we tend to conclude that the, the problem is, is one thing when in fact it's another. And and this is actually the root of the problem for them is is, is their, their expectation is set by their view of what's actually wrong with the world. See, they have a perspective that there is something that needs to be fixed. They've got that right. They also have a perspective that that thing that needs to be fixed in the world needs to be fixed by God. They've got that right but what they've missed is that the actual greatest problem that mankind faces is not political. It is a problem with sin. It's that we've sinned against a holy God and are deserving of his wrath. And so the way that Jesus has shown up, primarily, even though he's healed the sick, He's opened blind eyes. He's doing many miracles that should have him stand out. Primarily the thing that he's doing that they don't see as worthwhile, that they don't see as the solution, is he is saving lost souls. And so I want you to to keep this in your mind, is is that, that in order for us to see Christ, in order for us to see the kingdom of God, we've got to be looking for the right savior. We've got to look for the one true savior, the one true answer to mankind, to humankind's problem. And that is Jesus. They go on. Verse 22. Then he told his disciples, Jesus, this is. The days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the son of man, but you won't see it they will say to you, see there or see here. Don't follow or run after them. For as the light flashes from horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. So Jesus actually knows something very important here is that when we are waiting, desperately waiting for a solution, we're actually in a very vulnerable state. We're in a very vulnerable state, and and Jesus sees this, and so he takes a moment to to actually warn them that in this vulnerable state of waiting, there's going to be a day where they're longing for the days of the Son of Man, and they won't be there. In that moment, he's saying, there's going to come some false teachers. This is one of the things that that we ought to be continually on guard for as we wait is that there will be false teachers. And look at what he says. He says, they will say, see, here, see there or see here. Very similar language to what was used earlier when he tells them these observable signs that you're looking for will not come. See, there will still be, even though Jesus has set things straight for the Pharisees, there will still be um, many who will go and say, there's a sign over here. There's a solution over here. There's a politician over here who we can trust. There's some scientific tests and and discoveries over here that, that have the answer. There's some education. There's some new way over here that is the solution. And he's telling them, don't run after them. And I love what he does to actually help them stay the course is he, he gives them what to look for. Look back at me. He, look, at, look back at the passage he says in verse 24. For as the light, for as lightning flashes from horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. This is the, the thing that Jesus gives them to to help them keep their focus. And what he's really saying here is that when the Son of Man shows up, there's no question, there's no doubting that he is here. There will be no doubt when Jesus shows up, when he returns, that the king and his kingdom has come. And so this is actually a challenge to them. It's actually helping them to see that the one thing that they ought to do as they're waiting as they're desperately waiting is to keep their focus on Jesus to continue to look for the king the true king and it says it won't be there will be no doubt this reminds me of philippians 4 when it says that there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There will be a day when everyone will acknowledge that he is the one true king. Amen? And so he tells them, keep, their, keep your focus. Continue to look forward to Jesus' return. Verse 25. But first it is necessary that he suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And this is where it really gets tricky because this is really where the, the Pharisees and even the disciples have a hard time. See, a way that the king is expected to really demonstrate his power is he takes a definite, makes a definitive act that demonstrates that he has power to do what no one else can do. A king is really only worth his kingship if he's able to keep himself at the top because no one can do what he can do. Whether it's his army is bigger than everyone else's, his knowledge, his, his, his things, the, the, the uh, possessions that he has are more than anyone else. That is really the concept is the king ought to be in a position where no one can dethrone him. So you want to demonstrate that power. This is where the problem is because what Jesus says here is the king, the son of man, this term is, is I, I didn't say this before, but this term is, is really taken from a prophecy in Daniel where he actually sees a king, a human king, who sits on the throne forever. And in fact, he's the only king who's actually um, righteous enough to sit on the throne forever. And, and so Jesus claims this title as the Son of Man, and he says that the way in which he will um, demonstrate his power is actually to suffer and be rejected. And this is completely opposite to what was expected by The Pharisees, but not only by the Pharisees, by the disciples. And if we're real, this would be hard for us to see today too. If we were spending our lives following this man who we've been waiting for for a long time to be the answer to our problem, to fix everything, and all of a sudden we see him being dragged through the mud, we see him being being whipped, we see him being hung out on a cross, with fees. Imagine how hard it would be to continue to believe that he's the answer. And this is the problem for the Pharisees. But I want to say that this is the definitive action that the king, King Jesus, had to take to demonstrate his power Because in this action, he does something that no one else can do. And if we don't realize it, we can miss that this is actually the greatest act of demonstration of his power that he could do on our behalf. See, what he does when he gives his life, when he lays down his life and he suffers and is rejected and ultimately dies for our sin, is he actually takes the full wrath of God that we deserve, unto himself. And he didn't just take that wrath of God. he, He satisfied the wrath of God for us. Amen? No one else could do this. Not only that, is he broke the bond of sin that held us captive. No one else could do that. Not only that, is on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he overcame the grave. He overcame death. No one else could do that. This is the definitive action that we needed our king to take to show that he is the one solution for our problem. Amen? Our king has shown that he is above all other kings. He took our greatest problem and he solved it and in the same breath showed that he is the greatest king. And, and so this is, this is where the, 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 the Pharisees have, have, have gone astray. So they've missed this reality. And I want to say to everyone who's here and who's hearing me speak right now, if you don't yet understand what it is that Christ has done, if you don't understand the full weight of your sin was placed on him on the cross, I want you to hear me today. This is the one thing in all of your life that you need. You can live without everything else. And when I say everything, I know you're thinking, I can't live without air. You know, I I might be able to survive a little bit without water, but there's come a time when I need water. But can I say that if you were to pass on because you had nothing else to sustain you in this life, I can tell you, I can guarantee you that if you put your trust in Jesus, He is the one thing that you absolutely cannot live without. So if it's hearing me now, or if it's talking to someone here later to get and understand more about what he did for you, make that step. Make that step. Let's get back to it. Verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It, was, um, it will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all it will be like that on the day the son of man is revealed this is there's a few very important things that I want to just pull out of here for you to see first we've got noah and lot they're they're saved from the wrath of god and how they're saved is significant because it's not because they were perfect. If you know their stories in the Bible, you know these men did many things, in fact, do many things after that would be sinful. It is simply because they obeyed God. This is the, the first thing that we need to understand that, that our obedience to God is key for us to make it, to enter his kingdom, to enjoy the salvation that Jesus has provided. We need to obey. The second thing that I want you to see is there are people who are destroyed. Notice that he says they're, they're eating, drinking, marrying, being given a marriage. They're buying, selling, planting, building. They're just living their lives. They're not, Jesus doesn't emphasize that they're doing all these crazy sins, that they're going out and gallivanting, he says that they're just living their lives. I'm Jamaican, so gallivanting is, you know, um, it's the worst that you could do. Um, They're living their lives, and as they're living their lives, it seems sudden. Destruction comes on them. But notice that in this time, an ark is being built. In this time... Says, it says, Lot left. Even just to see him walking out, there's time. There's grace of God in there being time for them to repent. But they're not ready. And this is a very important thing to see, both for the believer and for the unbeliever here, is... This time that we have, the fact that you've woken up this morning, the fact that you're sitting here, that you have time, is God's mercy. He gives you time as mercy that you can make a decision to turn from your sins today, to uh, obey him today, to seek his kingdom today. This is, these are, are two very essential things for us to see. One, that that we, ought, we need to obey God if we're to see his kingdom. And we need to be ready now. We, we don't have the opportunity. As he said earlier, there's, there's not going to be an opportunity for us to, to, to get things right. There's not going to be signs that make it evident to us that, that the time is coming near. And so now we start to get things in order. That means we got to stay ready. Amen? Look back at the text. Verse 31, I'm going to read it again. On that day a man, sorry, yeah, that's where I'm at. On that day a man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. This, this point presents a, a desire in a person to turn back. And again, it seems like it's instant. But when we consider the context that he's speaking out of, out of the same illustration that he made for, for Lot's day and for Noah's day, God gives them mercy by giving them time and by having his messengers around, having signs, clear clear, clear um, messengers who are saying, repent, repent and turn from your sins. And this is a very important thing to see because we can think to ourselves that, you know, I... I wouldn't find myself turning back if Christ showed up. If I saw him break the sky and I saw him begin to descend and the angels and the glory of that moment, I would not turn back. But what we need to understand here is this this desire to turn back didn't come in an instant. It didn't come in a moment. It's something that's developed over time. It's that this person has developed a Unhealthy attachment to things of this world. And what makes it unhealthy is that they've placed these things that they desire above God, above His kingdom. Jesus says in Matthew 6 that we ought to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto us. This is the, the message of that passage is that if we allow ourselves to desire the things of this world so much that we start to put them above God, it won't take long before your desire for the kingdom of God to win. It won't take long for your desire for these things of the world to, to increase. And I kind of got a sense of this as we were traveling. Like I said, we were traveling through Europe. Um, so I, I noticed something that on certain modes of transportation, um, they've They've gone to great lengths to make it more comfortable, right? I'm not traveling for a long time, so you might be like, Jermaine, you're crazy. They're, they're still not great. Um, but for me, it was like, this is actually pretty good. And so what happened was I, started to, I noticed that first they're, they're bringing us meals. I start with food because if we got food, we, you know, a lot of things are going right. They, they bring you meals every so often before you even realize you're hungry, before you ask anyone to bring you something. They're bringing you meals. And I'm like, oh, that's good. And they're not too bad. You know, they give you a three chorus. It's, some of it's delicious, right? So you got the meals, but then you also got a, a nice personal screen sitting in front of you that you can entertain yourselves. They got movies that you got you to gotta pay to see anywhere else, and they got them free for you, right? They've got nice, comfy recliners. You just, you know, put, push a button, you're, you're back, you're leaning back, and you're comfortable, Right, they'll even bring you a pillow, bring you a blanket. You're a little bit cold. There's so much comfort there, right? So much so. Sorry. I mean, I, I let my I let my wife do the the buying, right? So, you know, she's got she's got the buying power, right? So, um, but it was comfy. It was comfy, right? Um, <laughs> they might be like, "Oh, he's paying too much." Uh, but yeah, so. So I realized that as I'm getting more comfortable, the the less I actually remember that I'm traveling, that there is a a place that I'm aiming to go. And and, and we're heading to Europe at this time, so, so what we've got to look forward to far exceeds any of the comforts that we would enjoy on the transportation. But this is where we we start to slip away, right? It's the same in our faith. As we get more comfortable in this life, we, we start to realize all the things we can have if we, if we just get a little bit more money. And all the, all the fun we can have, if we get a little bit more stuff. And slowly what we start to do is we start to build a kingdom for ourselves. And this is why, even though the glory of Christ breaking the sky is right in front of us, we can be tempted to look back. It's not something that happens instant. It's over time. So we just, just get a little bit more comfortable with this life. And the sad thing is, what it really is, is that what we're doing is we're settling for less. I don't recall it entirely, but there's... A quote that I heard from, I believe it was C.S. Lewis, where he says that we are too easily satisfied or too easily pleased. And he talks about how he gives a, a, an illustration of a, a child who's, who's completely satisfied playing in the, the, the mud and, and, and playing in the dirt because they, they can't imagine the, the joy of being at an amusement park. That's not something that they can imagine. That's not something that seems attainable to them. So they settle. Remember I said that second temptation that we face as we're waiting is to settle for less. And I wanna say to you, look up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This is how we resist the temptation to build a kingdom for ourselves that draws our heart away from the kingdom of God look up he's more glorious than anything you can have in this life he's more beautiful than any beauty you can see i saw some wonderful architecture in europe but i know that my god has more for me that 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 on that day the glory that will be revealed will not be comparable to the things that i've seen in this life look up keep looking up this is these are these are warnings for us this is how Jesus is preparing us as his disciples and and it, let's let's go forward let's finish this off verse 34 i tell you on that night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other uh, will be left. Two will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. And then the disciples ask, Where, Lord? He says to them, Where the corpse is, there also the vultures will be gathered. This is very interesting what actually has happened is we we start to see really what the disciples, or sorry, what the the Pharisees had initially wanted to see. This This is what they were asking Jesus to see. They wanna see the kingdom of God demonstrated in God bringing judgment and God setting things straight. And what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is letting them know, really his disciples, that day is guaranteed. There will be a day where all humanity will experience the judgment of God. That day is guaranteed. And notice what he says is there's, my page keeps flipping. He says, there's two sleeping in a bed, in one bed, one's taken, the other's left two women will be grinding grain together one will be taken another left notice two things again we're back at they're just living their lives sleeping working normal everyday things right the the mundane and as they're living their lives again seems sudden one is taken one is left Notice also how they're in close proximity. They're not separated from each other. It's not like these ones were in the, in the church, you know, gathered worshiping God and the ones outside, right? It's, it's this, ain't, this ain't the Sunday gathering, right? This is midweek. This is, they've grinded all day. They're tired. They've gone to sleep. And suddenly, and again, it's a reminder that it's, it's not, there's not going to be a, a bunch of signs that indicate it's time to get ready. It's coming soon. Yeah, the, the Bible does, and I want to say, the Bible does tell us of some signs that we can look forward to that let us know we're close to the end. But can I say that those signs have been going on a lot longer than you realize. We've been closer to the end all this time. Paul says that, that the day is Closer than when he first began, we can say the exact same thing. We are closer to Christ's return now than when we first began. But if we do not stay ready, it won't be when we're in the club. It won't be when we've been just cussed out someone. It'll be when when we're sleeping. It'll be when we've we've relaxed. When we've but 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 what has happened is there is no desire for the kingdom of God. In this person there's no looking for Jesus waiting for his return that's why it can happen while they're sleeping that's why it can happen while they're just working that means we stay ready always amen and as we stay ready this is the sad reality for the Pharisees and for many in our day is that there will be many who spend their lives looking and waiting just like them for something, for a solution to the problem. And and they will miss it. That day will come and, and they will realize only then that it was always Jesus. Don't let that day come and surprise you. It doesn't have to be a surprise. It seems sudden. But if we're ready now, if we're looking for Jesus now, if we are with the saints praying and seeking and asking, Lord, come, Jesus, come. If that's how we live our lives now, we will be ready on that day. And so there is a sad reality in this, but there is also a beautiful, glorious reality in this. That on that day, our waiting will be over. Amen? There will be no more temptation for anything besides Jesus. Our waiting will be over. Everything that God promised that we would experience on that day will be for us to enjoy. Our waiting will be over. That's hard to believe when you've been waiting. And some of us in this room have been waiting a lot longer and they're looking at me like, man, you ain't been waiting that long. But when you've been waiting for a long time, it's hard to believe that there will come a day when your waiting will be over. But I want us to get excited about this reality. There is a day when our waiting will be over, when Christ will break the sky and he will descend and we will be brought up to meet him. We will be taken. If we've been putting our trust in him all this time, we will be with him again. He has done what he's promised to do. he has demonstrated his awesome power in breaking the bonds of sin, setting us free from the power of sin. He's bore the weight of, of, of the wrath of God for us. He's set us free from the punishment of sin. And the promise is that when he comes, he will set us free forever from the presence of sin. Here's the, the beautiful thing about this reality is I said earlier that there are many who are looking for solutions in, in, in science. They're, they're seeing you know, that science has some really great answers for us and, and the things that ail us in our bodies. They're looking at science. They're looking at politicians. Not all politicians are bad. I know we knock them normally, but they're not all bad. Some of them are getting some things right. And, and, and so we've got great politicians they are looking at politicians. The problem is they can't solve all our problems, but there's come, there will come a day when, when Jesus breaks the sky and he does what he does. Everything that ails us, sickness, disease, natural disaster, Right? Having to go through the mundane, having to go to work day after day and know that you're barely scraping by, even though you spent more hours than, than the person who hired you working today. Having to, to suffer with with bad relationships, having to suffer under the hands of oppressors. That's what they're facing. So I want to sympathize a little bit with the Pharisees because I know. That oppression, sometimes it escapes us, but, but the oppression is real and it can be hard. If you've been under that for a long time, it could be hard. And I want to say anyone here who, who might be feeling that in a way that's more real, that, that oppression is hard. But when Christ comes, the promises, the oppressor will be removed. He will right every wrong. He will deal with everything that's been ailing you. This is the promise that we hold on to today. This is really what this passage is is, is encouraging us to do. Wait on the Lord. Continue to wait. And what helps us to continue to wait and not be led astray is to continue to put our trust in Jesus. Build your life on the solid rock of the word of God, of the promises of God, and you will not be moved. You will not be caught off guard on that day. Amen? Amen. We ought to build our lives on the word of God, on the promises of God, and we hold on. We know that he is holding on to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And many times we find ourselves um, struggling through this life, waiting for a long time, what feels like a never-ending journey of waiting um, can, can be challenging and can tempt us to to want to look for another solution, look for another answer to what what ails us in this life, look for another way. And we could be tempted to want to just settle. This is all we have. this is the best that we can get, we might as well make the best of it. But Lord, I pray that, that you would help us in this, my words are insufficient, and so I ask that your spirit would do what only your spirit can do to really grip our hearts with your word and draw us closer to you, cause us to trust more in you, help us to build our lives on your promises, Lord, that our our full hope would be in you alone, God, and God, I pray right now also for for anyone who's hearing this and who hasn't put their trust in you, who's still looking to, to another way, still considering maybe there is another solution, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to see right now that, that the only solution is Jesus, that you are the only one who, can, who will, who has and will completely fix all that is wrong with humanity beginning with doing a work in us transforming us giving us a new heart giving us right affections giving us a right desire and Lord for for those who, who are believers and who know that throughout their life they have been building a kingdom that has been drawing their heart away from you little by little. God, I pray that, that you would grip grip us now. Draw us to repentance, Lord. And Lord, furthermore, help us to see that, that you are more glorious, more beautiful, more desirable than anything else, than anyone else. Lord, help us to put our hope in you today. We thank you, Lord, for your word again. and I pray that it would do more than than I've done in this time, that your word would just continue to to take root in our hearts and to bear much good fruit for your glory and our joy in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.